Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to the Wesley Memorial Church podcast. This is Pastor Clark here. Just want to say thank you for tuning in and listening. We're beginning an exciting new Advent sermon series called Advent Between Two Worlds. And you're going to hear a sermon that we did just this past Sunday on that and how we can look at Christ's birth and Christ's future coming. And in between those two stories, how we find ourselves in this glorious story of God during this Advent season. We also invite any of you to join us for worship, either online or in person at 8.30 and 11 traditional in our sanctuary or 9.45 in contemporary in our dining hall. You can go to our website, wesleymemorial.org to learn more. Thanks again for listening. God bless each of you. And we hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Our text for the second Sunday in Advent comes from the Gospel of Mark, the opening words of chapter 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. When an author pens a work, The opening sentences are among the most important that he or she will write. There are many famous opening sentences to great works of art, such as Charles Dickens, who begins a tale of two cities with the words, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And then there's Herman Melville's Moby Dick, Call Me Ishmael, and then Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, the novel that was voted the most popular novel a few years ago in the United Kingdom. That classic begins with this famous sentence. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. And the Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina begins with these words, All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And then here is my personal favorite, the beginning sentence of C.S. Lewis's The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. There was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Mark's Gospel begins with some of the most powerful words ever written, some words that changed the whole course of human history. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of Mark's gospel says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
the beginning, the first word is arche, beginning, the beginning of the gospel. Gospel comes from the old English word for good news. It was a word that was well known in the ancient Roman world, and it usually meant an announcement of some great good news, usually about a Roman Caesar. So the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God of Jesus, that's his personal name, Yeshua, uh, which means God saves. Christ, that's his title. Christos, the Greek word that translates the Hebrew word Mashiach or Messiah, the anointed one. He is the one who is anointed to deliver God's people from sin and death. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the proclamation that he is the Son of God declares that he is of the same nature, he is of the essence of God. He is deity in the flesh. So one of the most perfect, one of the most powerful sentences ever written begins Mark's gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the core conviction of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, brought about the work of the gospel in this world. This is the core of the Christian faith. We focus not on what we do. We focus on what Jesus Christ did. And we declare that. We announce that to be the great good news, the gospel. At the center of our faith is this proclamation. And all of life is but gratitude in response to this proclamation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ in the world. The church of Jesus Christ is built on Christology, on an understanding as to who Jesus Christ is. Michael Horton has written a powerful book entitled Christless Christianity, subtitled The Alternate Gospel of the American Church. And in that book, Michael Horton calls the American church to task for replacing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us with just simply good advice for living our best lives now. He calls the American church to task for being more concerned about feeling good than being good. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, which we declare to be gospel, we are made over again. We are reborn. We are resurrected to new life. It's not about feeling good. It's about being good. It's about becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ. In this book, Christless Christianity, Michael Horton says this, the central message of Christianity is not a worldview, a way of life, or a program for personal and societal change. It is a gospel. It is not incidental that the story of redemption is called gospel or good news. If it were merely information or a program for self-improvement, it would be called something else like good advice or a good idea 
or good enlightenment. But it is good news because it is an announcement of something that someone else has already achieved for us. Jesus Christ has done for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. And we announce that good news. We announce that gospel to the world. And the truth of that gospel, the work of Jesus Christ, is central to who we are, central to our faith, central to human history. And the acceptance or the rejection of this announcement determines the path of our lives. So the gospel of Mark begins with those powerful words, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So gospel is both the announcement of what Jesus has done, and gospel here in Mark's gospel is a new genre of writing, a new type of literature where he presents to us the story of Jesus Christ so that we can know the person of Jesus Christ, know who Jesus Christ is, and also be aware of what it is that Jesus Christ has done. That's the way Mark begins his powerful gospel, the beginning, the arche, beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Then after Mark begins with that proclamation, that announcement, that good news, he quotes from the Old Testament, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah to say that there would be a forerunner who would precede the coming of this Jewish Messiah and that this forerunner that would precede the coming of this Jewish Messiah would be John the Baptizer. For 400 years, the voice of God had been silent for the Jewish people. The Jewish people had known, had heard many great prophets in their history. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, the list goes on. But then all of a sudden, silence descended. And I'm sure that silence, that prophetic silence, was deafening for the Jewish people. 400 years and no word from God. Then suddenly... God's word burst forth again in human history. I'm sure that over the course of those 400 silent years, the people of Judaism wondered if God would ever speak again. Perhaps today you're wondering, will God ever intervene in your life? Will God ever speak to you? And when God speaks, God's word creates. So when God speaks into our life, God creates a new reality. Perhaps today you are waiting for God to speak God's new word into your life. And you're wondering if he will ever speak to you again. We need to remember that God is never early, God is never late, God is always right on time, every time. So for 400 years in the history of God's people, there was silence. 
a deafening silence. And then all of a sudden, the word of God burst forth out there in the Judean desert, outside of Jerusalem, out there in no man's land. And that word burst forth in the person of John the baptizer. John the baptizer was a very, very strange character. He was strangely dressed. He was wearing camel skin. He was clothed in camel's hair. He had a leather girdle about his waist. He had a strange diet. He ate locust and wild honey. And there he was out in, out in the wilderness, the desert, out in the barrenness, calling the people to repentance calling them to start all over again. He was calling them to return to the Jordan River out there in the wilderness where their story had begun so many hundreds years ago when Joshua led them across the Jordan River to create a new life in the land of promise. Now we hear John the baptizer out there in that same wilderness, out there at that same Jordan River, telling the people they need to begin all over again. Baptism in this context was proselyte baptism. It was baptism of conversion. It was a baptism that allowed you to begin anew in the Jewish faith. And here was John the baptizer calling all of the people, the religious leaders included, to start all over again. It was almost as if they had not even been in the faith and they were now to begin the faith anew and they were to begin the faith anew through this baptism connected with the confession of sin so that they could repent of their sin, so that they could begin life anew. That was something audacious, that was something strange that this strange man, John the Baptizer, was proclaiming out there in the desert. And he, John the Baptizer, knew that this was the way that the way would be prepared for the coming of Messiah. The one, the mightier one, John called him, who would come to set all things right. And the text tells us that all of Judea went out there to hear John the baptizer, I'm sure they did. It must have been a strange, strange sight. And they went out there because something deep down in their spirit was telling them this was the word of God bursting forth into human history. Again, this was about God intervening, God interrupting human existence again. And they went out there. There was something in their spirit that made them do whatever was necessary to begin again to receive the great gift that this gospel, this good news, was announcing. I hope, friends, that Christmas happens in your life this year. Now, I know that December the 25th will come. December the 25th will go. I know that our observance of December the 25th will be very, very different this year because of the pandemic. I know that much of what surrounds normally our observance of December the 25th 
will be very different and perhaps not even happen at all. But I promise you, December the 25th will come. December the 25th will go. I hope that as December the 25th comes and December the 25th goes, that Christmas really will happen in your life, in your heart. I want Christmas to happen for you. I want Christmas to happen in you. There is absolutely nothing humanity can ever do to, to cause Christmas to not happen. I hope that you will receive Christmas, the gift of Christmas this year. I hope that you will allow the mightier one of whom John the baptizer is speaking to be born anew in your life. He would not share the throne of your life with any other deities. He is a jealous God. He wants to rule and reign only in your life. Because he as the creator knows that what we the creatures need most to find human flourishing, to find joy in life. And that is to live a God-centered life through the reality of Jesus Christ. I hope that Christmas will happen in your life this year. And in order for Christmas to happen spiritually, we have to prepare. We have to, may I use John's word, repent. We have to, we have to change. We have to change direction. We have to let go of those things in our lives. Those things, those attitudes, those attitudes that prevent Jesus Christ from being central to our life. We need to declutter our lives. We need to declutter our hearts if we really want to invite Jesus Christ to take up residency in our lives. My friends, I sincerely pray that Christmas will happen in your life this year. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.